2: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point, with the NBA at its quarter mark, we break down the season as it stands today. First, we'll discuss our biggest surprises to this point in the season, from the Philadelphia 76ers' strong start on top of the Eastern Conference to the Utah Jazz, leading the West over teams like the Clippers and the Lakers. Next, we'll focus on the James Harden trade from the Houston Rockets to the impact he's made on the Brooklyn Nets, and how the combination of Harden and Durant is different from their days as teammates on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll then turn our attention to the Boston Celtics, their up-and-down start to the season, and how the team has been affected by mass COVID infections, and we'll focus on some trade rumors that could help the seas get past some injury woes. But first, some housekeeping. Missing the Point is a one-hour podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate the show and leave a review for a chance to win a free Missing the Point t-shirt. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. And now, this is Missing the Point, episode 38 But it's all relative.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Missing the Point. I am your host, Michael Marcangelo, and it is Super Bowl week. It is all things football, so we are talking about the NBA, the Boston Celtics, and everything not related to the big game this Sunday. To do that, to gift you with this present in February, I am joined by the real BK, Bob Kelly. Today, like I said, we're talking about the Boston Celtics. It's basically the quarter review mark of the NBA season. So Bobby, welcome to the non-football edition of Missing the Point. How are you?
0: Yeah, kind of. The namesake really just fits for this episode doesn't it super bowl week yeah super bowl week and here we are we're going to break down everything in nba for you i'm excited for it too i'm pumped
1: yeah it feels right i mean it feels like everything that should have been said about the game this coming sunday has been said and the thing that we have not talked about are the kind of the quarter season rankings of the nba of the boston celtics What's been going on across the league? Before the season, we all picked our top eight seats. Or actually, we, we all picked our conference. You and I had the East. Uh, Rayshawn and Broadway Joe Malkin had the West. And if you kind of look at it now, I mean, 25% of the way through it, we weren't
0: that far off. No, we're doing pretty great right now. I have to say, I was looking at it earlier, and I was kind of amazed at how we really, we may not have had the spot's exactly right but we really have the uh, idea in like general rankings of the conference down like within one or two spots pretty much we have the top three teams pretty much in each conference except for us with the heat but heat are a fake bad team at this point but yeah no i'm pretty impressed with our rankings right now they're looking pretty good man I think if you just look at the top three from the East, uh, as it stands right now, it's w- it's
1: one Philly, two Brooklyn, three Milwaukee, and I'll throw in the fourth because it's us. The fourth seed are, are the Boston Celtics. As far as our rankings went before the season went, we had one the Bucks, two the 76ers, three the Heat, which you said. They're kind of a fake bad team right now with the Jimmy Butler injury. And number four, dead on, are the Boston Celtics. We do have the Brooklyn Nets at fit, uh, in, in the five seed, that was for me. You were you acquiesced. I, I appreciate that. I think it will pay off in the end. In the West, Utah is just they're doing so well. Sixteen and five at number one, the Clippers, number two, the Lakers number three, and Denver at number four at twelve and eight. And Joe and Ray you know, pretty much had that. They have, they have a really good top four. They had the Lakers at one, Clippers at two, Jazz at three, Nuggets at four. So again, as it's currently constituted. We did pretty well before we we jump into all the events that have happened over the past couple of weeks. It's worth noting that historically in the NBA, it's always Christmas is the delineation point, right? Like, you know who the real teams are by Christmas. This year, Christmas was the third game of the season. So we won't really know who anybody is. We'll give it till, what do you think? President's Day? Valentine's Day? like It feels like the second week of February?
0: Yeah, I feel like so. For those middle of the pack teams, 100%. Probably, yeah, a couple more weeks. But right now, we're at the point of the season where you know the real contenders. I feel like we're at a point where like 25, 30 games in. Every year, yes, there's teams that can compete for that championship. But realistically, there's about four to five teams every single year that have a legitimate shot to win that championship. And I feel like we are at the point right now where those teams are making themselves noticed. I wish I could put our Celtics in that rank right now. The way they're playing, I don't know if they are on that level at this point. But I mean, you have teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks. Those are the teams right now that are standing out that are like, okay, these are the people that we need to watch in the playoffs. Everyone else, I think you're right. We don't know if they're contenders or pretenders. Some of them could join that top tier. Some of them could miss the playoffs altogether. We don't really know yet. I mean, if you want to go back and listen to the NBA prediction
1: show, you can find that in the show notes. What I will tell you is Philadelphia, for me, was a team that we we talked about I knew was going to be good in the regular season. Why? Doc Rivers is a phenomenal regular season coach. He's, if not the best, one of the best. But the question for them, and really with any Doc Rivers-led team, is what they're going to do in the playoffs. We all saw what happened last year with the Clippers, right? They literally had every person on that team that they needed to win a championship and couldn't. They couldn't They couldn't even get to the championship. So I think the 76ers are doing exactly what I thought they would do. Starting with them, Bobby, what are your impressions so far of Philadelphia a quarter of the way through the season?
0: I really like Philly. I like everything that Doc Rivers is doing over there. He's getting the Joel Embiid that we've been waiting to see for his entire career, pretty much. Someone that puts in that maximum effort at both ends of the floor is utilized in a way that's that makes him almost unstoppable on the offensive end. I, I love what Doc Rivers is doing with this team. They They took a team that had no identity last year. And turned it into a team that has legitimate identity this year. They have some shooters on that team that can space around and beat and they, man, they're 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 looking good right now. I know you're right. Doc Rivers always has that meltdown in the playoffs, and I'm sure you know it's very possible it could happen with this. Yeah, team as well. I mean, not always. Twice it didn't happen, right? Right, <laughs> twice, and what? I mean, we'll oh, say what? like, oh, oh, I won't. I don't fault him for 2010. That was not his fault. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. 2010 KG going out. That definitely wasn't his fault. And then after that, I mean, the, Clip, the Clippers ones are bad, though. That's ah. the thing is, like, I feel like it's not the Celtics ones. I don't hold against them at all. The Clippers ones are all really bad, man. Like, you look back to the, the Lob City era, the fact that they never got to the finals is a travesty. They had a great team those years. Blake and Griffin, now- DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul right those teams were really good uh and they had some solid supporting pieces too i can't remember names off the top of my head but i Jamal crawford crawford thank you yeah jamal crawford Matt barnes they had some dudes out there and he he could never get it done and his biggest thing too is they always look like they're going to that's the thing is they have those spurts where you're like they look great but then when it comes down to to nut crunch time they fucking fold every time so we'll see if that happens with them. But I, I'm telling you, the way he's playing Embiid right now, he is, it's everything we thought he would be when you talk about his potential and can he lay off the cheeseburgers and can he actually put in that, mo- he's doing that and it's showing.
1: One thing I wanted to ask you while we're talking about the 76ers, in the COVID era where, where home and away games don't really matter because there are no fans, right? That's what, you, that's what we're being led to think. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is such a thing as home court advantage? The reason why I ask you, Philly is ten and one at home and five and five away. Why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, I think it does. I mean, travel counts for something, especially right now, being away from your comfort zone. And I think just the feeling of being at home, having I don't know. That's a really good question. I was I was like having the feeling of being at home, but like what is that feeling of being at home now? Is like just having your own announcers over the PA? Like, I don't know. I mean, for me, when you look at it, right, they're
1: four and one in the division, the 13 and four in the conference, and they they have a plus 4.2 point uh, d- differential, and they're eight and two in their last 10. This smells to me like one of those Lob City teams that Doc Rivers was the coach of in, in LA for the Clippers. So I know that I'm kind of pulling an audible here, but based on what we've seen so far in the 76ers, I'm going to ask you right now, are they a contender? Do you actually believe in them?
0: Yeah, I do. I think they're going to be there at the end. I think right now it is it is the Nets, it is the Sixers, and it is the Bucks. Those are the top three in the East, and I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them come out of the East. I think the Celtics are right behind them. I think they have some work to do. I think those are definitely the top three dogs, and I wouldn't be shocked in the least bit to see any of those three come out of the East. So you, you mentioned the
1: Brooklyn Nets. I think this is the first time that we have a chance to discuss this on Missing the Point. That James Harden trade. Right Back in, back in January, it, it turned out to be a, a blockbuster 14 deal. The Nets received James Harden from the Rockets. They also received a 2024 second-round pick from the Cavaliers. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, Dante Exum from the Cavs, and is it Rodonis Kruchik from the Nets? How do you pronounce that? I don't even know him, so, yeah, I don't know. I he was the disappointed. Picks to the Rockets. Brooklyn's three unprotected first-round draft picks in 2022, 2024, and 2026, plus pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27, (laughs) and also Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick via Cleveland. The Pacers get Karis LeVert and a a 2023 second-round pick from the Rockets. Cavaliers get Jared Allen and Tareen Prince. Really, the, the two main parts of this trade are obviously the draft picks to Houston. But ultimately, it's, it's a, uh, a rejuvenated James Harden to the Nets. Talk about when you saw that trade come over the wire, what were your thoughts? And so far, how has
0: it panned out? Holy shit. <laughs> to see seven... To see, We had to confirm it with each other. Do you remember that? We were like, wait a second. We were like, is it four picks? Is it three? Is it two? Is it alternating picks? Is it if this one doesn't, this doesn't? We we're like, no. It's legitimately seven first round (laughs) picks and and that's something that like that i don't even think nba 2k would let you trade seven i don't think there's a way you can figure out to trade seven picks like that's unbelievable
1: they would say that this trade has been rejected because
0: it doesn't meet the standards of nba 2k whatever it is they would not allow it it's unbelievable man and and At first, I have to say, I thought the Nets were out of their goddamn mind. To give up that much for James Harden to me just seemed like a crazy thing, especially when, like, the leverage wasn't there for them to have to give up seven picks. That's the way I saw it. It's like, who? Seven picks? Like, he wanted out anyways. I I get the Sixers were making uh, a move for him, and and that was the other uh, contender to get Harden was the Sixers, which would have been really fun, by the way. Having having Embiid and Harden together, that would have been cool. But seven first-round picks, man. It's just unbelievable. The story would have really written itself if
1: Harden went to the Sixers, right? You have Harden, who chokes in the playoffs, coached by probably one of the biggest chokers in the playoff situation, Doc Rivers. And by the way, I love and respect him. It may not sound like that. Shout-out to Sean. Heal the wheel. I really do respect him. But it's just facts. Scoreboard. Unless you have three Hall of Fame players... In their prime, in the first season of a new deal, he could not win a championship. That's just it. But James Harden this year, since coming to Brooklyn, has been unbelievable. I think he's been everything that that he was advertised to be, right? His season stats read as this. 24 points a game, 6 rebounds a game, 11 assists per game, 4.3 turnovers per game.
0: With Harden, if he's turning the ball over four times a game as the Houston Harden, no fucking way. If you're going to iso and you're going to be turning the ball over and shit like that, no way. But if you're giving me 27 and 11, I think I can live with four turnovers. If he's literally facilitating that offense now, it's something that it's just a different James Harden, man. I sat here every podcast we had and talked so much shit about this dude and I did not want him on the Celtics. If this was the James Harden that we got, I would have supported that. This is a different level basketball player that we're watching the past couple of weeks.
1: When you talk about that, because we, we were all talking about the type of person that he could be for the locker room, but none of us expected that to happen in the first month or even in the first three months. It would always happen, It would always happen the next season. Like what if this trade happens and then there's no playoffs or there's no championship or they get busted out in the second round? What James Harden do you get in the following season? I also think I, I'm. I'm going to open it up to you. Do you think James Harden is being shown in in a much more
0: favorable light because of the circus that Kyrie has put on over the last couple of weeks? I I don't think so. I don't think you have to. He's doing it all himself. When you picture this trade happening, you picture the Nets being the losers of this trade because you're like you're giving up all this, and this is just going to be an absolute madhouse. But the only thing that we've talked about since this trade is basketball. We expected it to be everything else. But so far, it's just been about the game. Will that keep up? We don't know. We'll see. But if they keep this up and he keeps up this level of play, they're going to be really hard to beat. But with this trade, I, I do want to point out that I think this is one of those trades that It's a very rare occurrence that there was not a loser in this trade. Everything involved in this got better, or their situation at least got better. The Rockets, for them to turn James Harden, who was literally forcing himself out of town, into seven first-round picks and Victor Oladipo, unbelievable. That is just unbelievable GM work. And... Not only that, like, but the team that they have now is actually pretty good. And they're, and they're a pretty frisky team. Uh, I think right now they're number one in defensive rating in the season, which is like a complete polar opposite of where they were with Harden. So uh, it is one of those trades where when you look back on it, I mean, when you look back on it at the end of this season, There's not going to be a winner or a loser. It's just going to be all winners. I think.
1: I disagree. I think if I mean I I was not going to disagree until you just added the caveat of this season. I think Karis LeVert's with the mass that they found on his kidney that eliminates the Pacers from this being a winning situation for them. Now in the future, he makes a winning situation
0: for Mm Karis LeVert though.
1: Yeah, if he makes a full recovery in the future, that's awesome and great. The, the fact that he had to undergo a physical and they found this on him and they were able to remove it, that's great. And like I hope that he's you know healthy and, and he can come back. But the Pacers lose Oladipo think that they're getting a really good diamond in the rough shooting guard in Karis Levert. Turns out he's probably not going to play for the rest of the season. I think long-term, you're right, dude. Like there, There's probably not going to be any losers in this trade because Brooklyn is in this mindset that they need to win championships now. Now, I'm going to ask you again, because we are kind of like 25% through the, through the season, based on what you've seen so far, is this team enough
0: to get past the best of the West, a.k.a the Los Angeles Lakers? I think they have a shot. They're a very non-conventional basketball team where they're not someone who is going to, you're going to know what they're going to do down the court every time. They're not setting up shop. They're not running the same 10 plays every game. Like they have three of the best playmakers ever. So every single trip down the court is going to be something different. So I do think that they do have a shot. No, I don't think so. and <laughs> we're, we're being blunt, no, no. I don't think anyone's going to beat that Lakers team. Like, we'll get to it in a minute, but that Lakers team is unbelievable, man. I mean, if, if if you just
1: look at the stats, right, just, again, scoreboard, Brooklyn is scoring an average of 122 points a game. They're holding their opponents to 117. That shows me it's terrible defense because you have three of the best offensive players in the league that are just, they have to all score 28 points or more for you to have a chance to win. The Lakers are holding their opponents to 104 points a game which in 2021 in the NBA that's pre- that's pretty damn good. That's showing you th- that's really good defense.
0: And you know, with the Le- LeBron James is just he he takes a good that team would be pretty good without him. They would be a very solid basketball team without LeBron James. But then you add LeBron in there and it's just like he did you see last night he was walking off the court and <clears throat> no, it was after the Hawks game where he got in that fight with the fan on the court and everything, but someone was filming him coming off the court and he was like, man, feel tired, but we don't, we're not tired. We don't get tired. That's not what we do here. That's not what we do. And he just goes right in the locker room. And I was just like, oh my God, that dude's different. <laughs> oh my God. It's almost like that return to Cleveland
1: flipped the MJ switch in him like he wasn't a killer before that
0: he's a fucking killer now oh he's a killer bro he's a killer you can see it's he has when he has the ball it's there's nothing you can fucking do there's literally nothing you could do you could play the best defense in the history of the world you could be fucking Ron Artest mixed with Marcus Smart with the hint of Kim it doesn't fucking <laughs> matter LeBron James is scoring on you. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. He's unreal, man. He really is. I
1: think because I think like the biggest knock on him, and again, I don't want to go too far off track, <clears throat> is that early, early in his career, it was always like he wasn't the guy. He didn't have that 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 mode. He didn't have the MJ mode like where he was going to look you dead in the face and say, I'm going to score. No matter what you do, there is nothing that you're going to do to stop me, and I'm going to win the game. But he came back to Cleveland... And it's been different, and especially when he went to LA, like, like that first season that they had there was not good, and you could tell that it just ate him alive, mm-hmm. that, that that he could not bring that that team to prominence. And then the next season they go on, they win the NBA championship. So I think no matter what seed they are in the West, they're the team to beat. You do not want to play the Los Angeles Lakers, especially when they're holding people to under, 100, under 105
0: points a game. So they're better than they were last year. Right, They're a much better <laughs> team than they were last year. I mean, you take Rayon Rondo, old aging point guard, and replace him with Dennis Schrouder, who is a young athletic. When we played Atlanta in that playoff series where they beat us a few years ago, I despise this dude. And you know a good basketball player when you're playing him and you fucking hate him. If, if there's someone on the other team and they just make your skin crawl, He's someone when he's on your team, you love him, and that's that's
1: It's how I imagine everyone feels about Marcus Smart. That's 100. Next, so again, quarter mark of the season surprises. So who's better than you thought they were going to be, Bobby? At this point,
0: so to me, the biggest ones that stand out is Cleveland. I think Cleveland to me is the biggest shock of the NBA season so far. Uh, Right now, they're in seventh or ten or eleven, right around five hundred. But I didn't expect this team to sniff 500 all year long. And not only that, we'll get to a little bit more later in detail, but Colin Sexton, man, he is, he's beating, like, big-time players right now. I think he outscored, who was it the other night? He hit, damn it. So Colin Sexton, though, he he's a dude. Darius Garland is playing out of his mind. I think the Cavs are a team, that two-seed, or three seed, whoever is at the top, is going to have some trouble. I don't think they're going to beat them, but it's going to be one of those series where they're going to sneak in a game and like keep a couple games close. I, I like that Cavs team, man. Colin Sexton's playing unreal. For me, it's Charlotte. It's the Hornets, and it's all because
1: of Gordon Hayward. I mean, he's averaging 23 points a game. He's shooting 50%. That's his field goal percentage. So if he takes two shots, you can bank that one of them is going to go in. I also think that Devontae Graham, averaging six six assists a game, that's huge. They're only they're ten and eleven, not great. But we had them. If you look back at, if you want to again go back and listen to the show that we did and, and go back to our Instagram post at missing the point, you can see that we had Charlotte at oh boy, we had them at I, I think second to last, right? We thought that team was going to be trash. And right now they're clinging on to the, the eight spot uh, in the standings. And when you really think about it, they're av- like they're scoring hundred and ten points a game. Sorry, hundred and nine point six points a game, and they're holding their opponents to hundred and ten point two. So the point differential isn't too, is not too bad. They're right there. And in their last in their last three games, they're they're riding a three game win streak. Five and five at home. Five and six away. The scary thing, if I were a Hornets fan, though is that everything depends on Gordon Hayward at this point. And I think he's a great basketball player. I think he's the type of person you want, but I, I do think it's not his fault that he's just
0: injury prone. Am I wrong? No, you're not. That's a, It's a terrifying thought to have Gordon Hayward be not just your one, but like your only one. You know, they don't have uh, – Mikael Bridges is great, but they don't have that guy who's – who actually can pick up that slack for Gordon Hayward if he goes out? I I agree. I also agree with you that they're the biggest surprise so far. I've watched a few of their games, and man, they're a scrappy, impressive basketball team. They're good, man. I like the Hornets. I like the way they play. That's it, It's just they, they play great basketball. Rozier is balling out. Rozier's balling great, out. Man. I mean, yeah. just averaging about 19 points a game.
1: The surprising thing for me is that Lamelo Ball is—he's he, getting 25 minutes a game. He's only averaging 12 points. I, I guess that—that's that, that's great. I thought he would have had a bigger impact. I think, but I think for him, if you, again, if you're a Hornets fan, you look for him to really pick it up in the second half, right of, of the year. That's when he needs to establish himself in the team. But based on where you are right now, th- they're in it they will be one of those bubble teams at the end of the season that is clinging to the, to an eight seed. And just like uh, j- just like you were talking about uh, the Cavaliers, I'm not sure that they're a team that I really want to play.
0: Yeah, no, actually, I, I think I would play want to play them less. <laughs> I would want to play them less than I would want to play the Cavs. I yep. agree. Because they, Gordon Hayward's an established NBA, I don't want to call him a superstar, he's an established NBA all-star. So, he actually can win you a game by himself. LaMelo Ball, he's been much better than I thought he was going to be. Even though he's only averaging 12 points, you know, I've said this to you so many times. So many times. uh, There's so much more than points. LaMelo Ball is doing a lot on that basketball court right now. That's the throwback to our Peyton Pritchard conversation. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get into that in a couple minutes. (laughs) But so, LaMelo, to me, I think he's playing great. He's definitely the favorite. And the front runner for rookie of the year at this time, but yeah, I think they're a scary team, especially because they got scary Terry, man. A lot of people forget, man. Terry was legit in no, that no. In, in that in that playoff no, run stop, until stop. that game seven. He was really good in that playoff so, run. Okay,
1: so let's just, I, I, I i don't want to do this. I really don't. But just—I just, just want to play back
0: to what you just said. He was legit until it counted. Yeah. Yeah, I was at that game 7 too, and he wasn't just bad in that game, man. Eh? <laughs> Every time. Like, but I'm just up until then. Up until that game. I up until it fans. counted. Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do.
1: That's why I fundamentally disagree with him. Uh, now, a quarter of the way through the season. Is this a big enough sample size for us to really know who these teams are? Not just the contenders, but let's say like the bottom tier of the league. Or In each conference. Are we sure that Miami at 7-13 is really that bad? Because I'm not. I think, for me, Jimmy Butler being injured, he is the pulse of that team. I mean, we saw what he did in the bubble. He, during quarantine, he bought every single member of that team a basketball hoop and told them to practice. He didn't bring his family down there. I'm sure he loves them. I don't know him. I'm sure he really loves them. He didn't want to see him. He didn't want any distractions. He was there for one reason. It was to get to an NBA championship and ultimately to win an NBA championship. So for me, he's the that's the one record where I look and I
0: say, seven and thirteen. I mean, that's not real. No, it's not. I agree. Bam's keeping them afloat right now. He's all that he he's literally all they have right now because what Jimmy does is when he's in there he brings everyone up an entire level of play. You know what I mean? Like, he he's just a dog. He's a fighter. And he's exactly what I'm talking about when it's like, it's not always about points because Jimmy isn't always going to put up 25 points. But his impact is felt just by the energy and the actual attitude of the team that he's on. Like, that heat team, that bubble last year, man, they, yeah, they were just like... Eh, When you looked at Jimmy Butler's face and then you looked at everyone else's face on the court, they all had the same fucking face on. Like, they were there to fight, they were there to battle, and you're probably going to leave that game with a bloody nose. I agree, yeah. I I think they're better than that 7-13 record, for sure.
1: So for you, I'm just going to pick a team in the Western Conference because you are one of the two of the basketball czars on on missing the point. Let's talk
0: about the Dallas Mavericks, 8-13. Is this really who they are? I don't know, man. I think so. I really do, because I, I think Kristaps is, he's just, I don't want to call him a fraud. He's not fraud. He's just, he's too flawed. He's not what, even close to what people thought he was going to be. So right now, that's what they're banking on, is they're banking on Porzingis coming back and being that guy, and I just don't see it, man. For a big guy to be having foot issues, lower body problems, it's Right, man. It's just it, it. It just screams he's out of the league in two years. Luca is literally all they have right now, and even Luca. I, listen, I love Luca to death, but man, he's turned into a little bit of a crybaby lately. I haven't seen him drive to the basket without turning and looking for a foul in like a week and a half, and it shows with how they're playing right now. I think they've what dropped? I want to say six out of seven something like that, they're not doing great right now. They're 2-8 they're and eight out of their last 10, and they've lost six yeah. in a row. Yeah, so they're on a downward spiral. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cuban. You've seen him do it before where he gives up on a season and just starts dishing out those roller players midseason. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that this year at all. I really don't think that they have a shot this year. It just seems like all, every time you watch them, it's just Luka and four dudes. Yeah,
1: but to that point, I mean, Luke is averaging twenty-seven points a game, <clears throat> nine rebounds a game, nine assists a game, a steal a game, and they are where they are currently. I mean, I, I think their record is what they're eight and thirteen. But what this smells to me, again, I've said that once already at this show. This it's kind of show. smells like, like, like the Phoenix Suns of last year, right? Like when they get mm-hmm. to the bubble, they go pretty much undefeated just to miss the playoffs. So again, yeah. Let's say Porzingis does is, is able to figure out the foot injury. Just again, a little bit at, at the end of the season, is that a team that can rattle off six in a row? And if they do, if you're the if, if again, if you're the one seed, let's say again, currently it's the Jazz. Do the Jazz and the Mav? Do, do the Jazz want to p- play the Mavericks? Because I think Luca is enough to scare really all but three teams. I think it's yeah. the Sixers, the Lakers, and the Nets that Luca doesn't scare.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Anytime you have someone like Luca staring you on the other end of the basketball court, it's scary. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, Unless you have someone else who's even scarier to stare him right the fuck back down. No, I completely agree. I would never want to see Luca, especially in a seven-game series, because he's right. He can take that shit over, and, and just he can win that series by himself. I just don't. I don't know if this version of Luca can do it because I feel like he's just, I I just been watching him this past week and like, I just, I'm not seeing, like we were just saying with LeBron, he's not a dog yet. He's not a killer, man. He's not. And like, I, I love Luca. And I think he's going to be, I think he has a chance to be one of the top five players in NBA history. I think he's that good, but I just don't think he has, he doesn't have that, that it yet, like I, he doesn't have that championship DNA, like you guys like to call me out on. I don't think it's there yet. I, just I was gonna don't. say like that's not that's not something that we
1: like to say. That's what you always say. What I said, yeah. Which is the perfect segue to start talking about our Boston Celtics, who are currently sitting in the four seed at eleven and eight. They they beat the Golden State Warriors last night after losing to the Lakers earlier this week. Just a quarter of the way through the season. I think you, you have to be disappointed. And I say that because of the talent that you know that you have on this team. In reality, they have been really affected by COVID-19. I get that. They've actually been statistically the most affected team in the NBA. But they have looked so soft at times. And typically that happens at the end of the game when they have a lead. Just remember, this is the same team that held the lead in the fourth quarter to the Miami Heat in that playoff series. And they did not win that series. They blew at least four of those leads. So Bobby,
0: quarter of the way through the season, tell me a little bit about your thoughts about the Celtics. Um, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because it, it, it's just the fact that they have been the most affected team by COVID, by injuries. Out of every team, they've missed the most games. If you put all the games that people have missed on their team, they've missed the most. But ray sean's right he kept saying that thing uh, in the in the hangout last night and like i i always want to be the positive to ray sean's negative with the Celtics. i always try and balance it out but like he is right man they need a change they need something because they just like last time we were last time i was on this pod with dk i was so hyped up about their energy and the way they were playing because it was a different level then the COVID stuff hit and it What do we say during the NFL season? It's success through resiliency. And right now, they're not showing that. They're not showing that same effort and same intensity that we would expect out of them. And even Brad Stevens is calling them out on it. You know what I mean? Almost every single night, they ask Brad, like, what happened tonight? And he's like, defense, defense. We weren't giving the energy we want to give. We weren't doing this. We weren't doing that. If you ask Brad Stevens how this season is going right now, horrible horrible he hates everything he's seeing out of this team which to me is the scariest part about everything i mean which is interesting because when you think about it
1: they're holding every they're holding their opposing teams to under 110 points a game right the problem is is they're only average they're only averaging 111 so they're not blowing teams out they should be an offensive powerhouse mixed with defensive tenacity which is Marcus Smart, who suffered that calf sprain a couple games ago, which, by the way, we were watching. That
0: was scary, man. That was terrifying.
1: That happened. It was in the Lakers game. I remember uh, you could see it pop. And I just thought, man, I just hope it's not a long-term injury. Turns out it's going to be a couple weeks. But for me, as a fan, when you think about this team, they do all of the right things for three quarters of the game. They get themselves in a position to be in the lead and to win, And then in the final 12 minutes, more often than not, they try their hardest to squander it. So, for me, it's like, yeah, Bobby, you can have your championship DNA. I'm going to call it your Eastern Conference championship DNA because they have never gone further than that. But you have to be able to to close the game. Now, we've been talking a lot about killers on this game, on this show. I do think that Jalen Brown's a killer. I think... He's the last person that you want if you're the opposing team to have the, the the ball in his hands at the end of the game. You think it's Jason Tatum?
0: Why? I I think they're I think they're both I think they both have the potential to be killers. If I'm being honest, Gun to your head. Who do
1: you want to have the last shot in the game? Jalen Brown I or know, Jason Tatum.
0: I listen. I'm gonna surprise you here, Jalen. I think it's Jalen, man. I just think when. Because he would make the right decision. I would trust him more to make the decision because I know he doesn't. Jason Tatum has a great three point jump shot, but it's too good at sometimes. And he trusts it so much, man. And like when he gets into those situations, he's just like, okay, that's not there. What's my go to? Step back three. No, man. That's no, no, please. Jalen at least is like, he. I feel like Jalen's first move is always, I want to go to the hole. I want to crash this rim right now. And that's what you need at the end of the games, personally, I think. The big thing with Tatum, though, I don't know if you saw this a couple weeks ago. There was this interview, greatest basketball player, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Allen Iverson. They asked him about Jason Tatum, and he almost went speechless. He was just like, dog. Jason Tatum is special. And when you have a guy like Allen Iverson telling you that someone's special, then these guys are special. I don't know. It's a tough question to answer, man. It really is. I'm just going to yeah, keep but you You answered around. it, dude. You answered it. I know. I, it's Jalen. It is me, I think for me,
1: like, who has more God-given talent? It's Jason. For sure. But – at the end of the game, you, you want to trust someone to either make the, the right decision by shooting by taking a high percentage shot or by, by distributing the ball to someone else who will. In my heart of hearts, I think 10 times out of 10 with three seconds left, if if Jason Tatum has the ball, he's gonna shoot it. Doesn't matter where he has yeah, doesn't matter where he is. It's gonna be that that Paul Pierce step back three, and he's aided by the three out of ten times that he hits it at the end of the game. To, to say, well, listen, oh, well, I mean, I have hit it. It goes in. I called it earlier. It's hero ball. Like the game that they won earlier in the season where he did that, that shot and it went in. The, the, in my opinion, that game is a bad win. We know we have good losses. That's a bad win because it just enables that to continue to happen. It's like for me, I, I admitted last year, last season, in the summer, I was wrong about Marcus. Marcus Smart is a really big part of this team. He still doesn't need to take 18 shots a game. He just doesn't because he's
0: going to miss his first nine. I know it. Re- we all know it. His reactions to when you call him out. Is, is just, it's so Marcus. And like, you can't hate him for it. Cause he's like, listen, you guys can s- keep telling me not to shoot. Guess what I'm going to do. Shoot. I'm going to fucking shoot. It's so like, you know, <laughs> I guess, I guess you, you, you give and take with Marcus. I don't know. But yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh that's I don't understand Tatum and that step back three at the end of those games man and I don't know why Brad I do. Keeps letting him do it. That cuz it went the, in. But, but the Brad but Brad letting him continue like if I'm Brad Stevens I pull him aside and I'm like listen man fucking stop. Why do you think that is our best chance to win the game? We're down even when we're down by 2 he does it. And that's what drives me nuts. That's what drives me fucking crazy is when we're down by two and he does a step back three. And it's like, if the ball was in Jalen's hand, that's not happening. It's not happening. I agree.
1: Any chance that he just has a little PTSD for the Miami series where he was uh, rejected on the dunk. I mean, that's the last time that I can remember him driving to the hoop when the game was on the line. Ever since then, it's handed his balls on the platter right there. Like... <laughs> Ever since then, it's just been hero ball wherever he is. I will say though, we talked a little bit about in the off season, the short off season that they need, that they needed to step onto the next level. They kind of have offensively, right? I mean, Tatum's averaging just under 27 points a game at 26.8. Brown's averaging 26, about 26 and a half points. You have two players on your team that are averaging just about 27 points a game. And now Kemba's back, which leads me to my next question. Is Kemba
0: the guy, like, can he be number three? based on what you've seen so far? I don't think it's a big enough sample size yet. I don't think we know how good that knee is quite yet because he'll have games. It's the same thing as in the playoffs last year. That's what I'm noticing so far. Is like he'll have games where he looks like Kemba, and he's hitting everything, and he looks fast, and he looks electric, and he looks like that guy who is who we want to have the ball at the end of the games. Because remember last year in the playoffs, that was who had the ball, 10 seconds left, It was in Kemba's hand. He was taking that shot. He looks like that guy time to time. But then there is some times where he looks, he just looks slow. And it looks like he, it's just not there. And he's just not feeling it. So I think you got to give it more time to see which one is going to be the real Kemba. Is it going to be the up and down Kemba? Or once that knee gets some more minutes on it, gets some more time, is it going to build up strength and he can continue to be that great Kemba or a good Kemba, at least, that we saw at the beginning of the playoffs and when he first started last year. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think for me, the interest, the interesting part is like, even on his bad shooting nights, he still cuts really well. So like, for me, the the weird knee injury is just that it's very weird. And you, you never want your, one of your star point guards to have a weird knee injury, but it, it doesn't seem to be impacting. Like that should not be the reason why his shots aren't going in. It's not why he shoots one of 11 because he's making all the right cuts. He still looks just as fast as he did before, Something's just not going in, but it needs to. For this team to be a real contender, Kemba needs to be the Kemba that we traded for. Or that we signed, sorry. He needs to be that guy. Next question. I know that we can spend all day talking about the Celtics. Are these early season struggles due to a lack of minutes together? Or is it because it was a short offseason? Are you concerned about it? Talk to me about that.
0: So I I think it's... I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. I I think it is the lack of minutes together because sometimes they just don't look like they're on the same page. And they literally have, I think they played, what, two games together as their full starting five so far this season. So I think like what, like we were saying earlier, is it enough time? I think the Celtics are the prime candidate of like, no way. This is not the team that we're going to see two months from now. You know what I mean? It's going to be a completely different team with a completely different feel. I I think there is a move coming. I think there is going to be a shakeup. We'll see how big it is, but I'm not that concerned. I'm just more looking for them to show me something. I need we need a run. You know what I mean? Like now that we have our guys back, we have Tatum back, we have Brown back. Tristan's playing great. Robert Williams is playing great. Yes,
1: Tristan's offense is offensive. It's bad. It's it's so bad, and it's like for me. I mean. I get it, that he's a stout defender. He's supposed to be, right? But can you just hit 70% of your free throws?
0: So it's like Please? the opposite of Enos Cantor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we literally just flipped Enos Cantor. Really good offensively. Terrible defense. It's
1: like, Dan- it's like Daniel Tice. That's, that's, that's exactly who has been, by the way, for me, he's my biggest uh, surprise on this team so far this season. I think if you're a fan of the Celtics, you have to be really happy with the fact that he's averaging just about ten points a game, and he's crashing the boards. His defense will never be great because he's not built that way. Yeah, he just can't. He can't move like that. Yeah. No, but for when he's out there, I, for me so far, you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong. It it feels like every minute that he's on the court offensively, he's productive.
0: Yeah. No, you notice. I completely agree with that. I was I was going to say that actually. He. You notice. If Robert Williams is on the court, you know Robert Williams is on the court. And that's something that you can't say about a lot of big men. I feel like some big men disappear sometimes, a la Tristan Thompson. But, yeah, no, I completely agree. Robert Williams has been so much better than I thought he was going to be coming into the season. It's like we always thought like we needed a center, we needed a big man, but I never thought it would be him. And I'll, I'll give Danny credit. Robert Williams was his guy coming out of that draft this, that year, I remember hearing about it for so long. And I was like, oh, I hope that you don't know, get this guy. This guy is a clown. And then he <laughs> he drafts him. Do you remember what happened with Robert Williams the first day they drafted him? He forgot his wallet or he, like, he missed his <laughs> plane or something like that and missed his rookie introductory press conference. That feels right. Yeah, exactly. It did. And I was like, all right, yep. See, he's a clown. But no, man, I, I don't know. That's all right. So. That just led me to my next point. That's where I think Tristan's making the biggest impact, honestly. Is I think it's on Robert Williams. I just wanna point out
1: that I asked you if you thought if you thought Daniel Tice was having a great season and you said yes, I agree, and then only talked about Robert Williams. It's like I'm not even here with you, Bobby. That's how that's how you just made me feel in that moment. <laughs> but go ahead, talk to me talk to me about Tristan Toms uh, about, about about his impact offensively or just his mindset for for Robert Williams?
0: I think it actually goes to Daniel Tice too. See, I was getting there. I was getting there. I was going to connect it. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to connect it. Right, exactly. (laughs) No, uh, So I I wasn't. No, I just completely. Not not a chance. I went off on my own, right? Yeah, you're right. So no, I, I do like Tice this year. And the thing with Tice is like, he's impressive offensively. And that's been the thing. Like he's actually been like, not he's been a shooter he's hitting jump shots and like he's another guy it's the big men right now that it's robert williams and daniel tice those are the two guys on this team that when they're out there you notice them out there yeah and the only other person the only other person besides tatum and brown that you can say that so far in this celtic season is peyton pritchard Oh, God. He's the, he's the only – listen. Oh, I know, God. listen. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to get crazy with it. No, 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 no. No, we have to because I, I want this to be documented and heard
1: around the world. You told me that Peyton Pritchard would be, based off of his early season performances, should have been in the top three for rookie of the year. That's that. You said it. You, told, you actually told me to bank on it.
0: I still I'll still go with it. I I really do legitimately still think that especially if he listen, he's hurt right now. If he comes back, he's the guy that if he's going to be the guy that steps up every single time, if someone goes out, he's the guy that's going to you notice him on the court. I, I just really love the way Peyton Pritchard plays basketball. And I think at the end of this season, we're going to be looking back on Peyton Pritchard and he's going to be the surprise story of the Boston Celtics. He is going to be in the top three. I'm telling you, man. It's going to happen because you... So, Marcus, they're not going to ride him, especially after this calf injury. They're, going to, they're not going to ride Kemba. And the guy who's going to pick up that slack is Peyton Pritchard because I'll tell you what, DK will roll over just hearing this. Jeff Teague isn't the guy. I'm sorry. He is... One of the most frustrating he's one of the most frustrating <laughs> basketball players that I love to watch, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So Jeff Teague's not the dude. Peyton Pritchard, when he's out there, it's just a different flow to this team, man. You can just feel it. And when we talk about that killer instinct. Oh I, no. Listen, I, I think that he has the potential to have that. And I think he's one of these guys that when he's out there, Jalen and Jason, it rubs off on them. And you won't see that terrible Jason step back three. You won't see these things because I think eventually it's going to go through Peyton Pritchard. I think he's going to be the Jason Williams. He's going to be the Mike Bibby. He's going to be one of these point guards who just has the ball every time down the court. So we've gone from
1: I'm not going to overreact to he will be in the top three of rookie of the year, and now he's Mike Bibby. You baited me into it. You baited <laughs> me into it. I'm sorry. I mean, I will say in the games that he's played, he's shooting literally 49% from the field. He's a great shooter. I think he does give you the spark. And I think the thing that you, know, you, always, you and I have always been talking about, you can't just base it off of points. I think you're right. He has hustle. There's just something about when he's on the court. It's just different. That When he made that game-winning layup, that was amazing. I mean, it's too bad Marcus was still bitching and moaning about the fact that he didn't get a call on his terrible fadeaway uh, shot from under the rim. Like, he's not really that much of a team player. Sorry, but I think Peyton Pritchard, for me, if he he does half of what you think he's going to do, then the, the game just changed for the Celtics. Like, if he is half of Mike Bibby now or half of uh, top three uh, rookie of the year, we could be a problem for, for teams in the playoffs.
0: So like, that's when I try and think me and DK were talking about this last time. It's like, we try to think of comps to Peyton Pritchard is like, it's really hard to think of one because like, it's not like Mike baby's the first one that comes to mind, but he's a better shooter than Mike baby, you know, statistically like he just has the career in college. He just shows that he's a better shooter. And then you think about someone like Jason Williams, He's not a greatest passer, as Jason Williams ever was, but he can shoot better. So it's like, Steve, let's not go there. I'm not going to get that crazy, all right? I'm not comparing him. We're not going to compare him to the best. (laughs) Oh, the best? One of the best. Okay. Before we wrap up
1: this little Celtics grab-ass session, there's one thing that that you wrote uh, in the rundown, which I love, by the way. Love it that's what they call a big market tease trade rumors jj reddick do you think it'd be uh it's worth using half of the exception for jj reddick an aging shooter because i think for a team that needs offense he's your guy i mean you sure he's getting older i understand that but he's still a sharp shooter. he is one of those guys that you want taking a three-point shot at the end of the game so bobby tell me why that's a bad idea
0: I don't know where he fits in the rotation is, is my saying is like, who who are you taking away minutes from? Are you taking them away from Marcus? Are you taking them away from Kemba? God forbid you take him away from Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague, you know what I mean? Like, I guess Jeff Teague, he could fit in those minutes. But like, I just don't know where he would fit in the rotation. And I just feel like there's so many better options that can make this team a, a real contender. I, I I've been seeing a few trades out there. The one that intrigued me the most I don't know how realistic it is, huh. but Celtics <laughs> Celtics receive Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon from Magic for Kemba Walker, Langford, Tice, Williams, and a first round pick. No, you put Vucevic and Gordon. No, on this on this team. No, man. no, man. no, I, no. Okay, let, let's just
1: operate in the realms of reality here. Okay, let's just stay where we are because. Danny, as, as we know that he's trader Danny, but that's typically with draft picks. He doesn't yeah. usually make big splashes in in, in the course of a season, but he will add a veteran presence. He will add someone like I don't know a JJ Redick yeah, or a JJ or a JJ Redick who, yes, his career three point percentage is forty percent just 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 get him here. He averages less than one turnover per game. Bring him here. Please. Right. He's playing less than 20 minutes a game. So if you're telling me that you will not sub out Jeff Teague's minutes for JJ Redick, who's averaging, I don't know, let's see, this year he is averaging more than J- more than Jeff Teague is per game in terms of points, same amount of minutes, do it. Like let's just do it because again, at the end of the game, let's say that Tatum is covered. <laughs> or you don't want to take that hero shot. Let's say that Jalen finds a, a, a wide open Renick on the base, you know, a, 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 on the corner for a three. Are you not going to jump out of your seat when he hits that shot?
0: No, not only would you jump out of your seat when he hits the shot, you'd probably jump out of your seat as soon as he caught it. Cause you're like JJ. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. JJ for three. One other trade. Oh boy. PJ Tucker. For Daniel Tice, Carson Edwards, and this year's Celtics first round pick. That's a deal that I think is realistic. We don't give up too much and we get back someone who, if Tatum and Brown are having an off night, he can pick up the slack on the scoring. The only thing that would scare me about PJ Tucker is if he's another Marcus Morris. That's all. But
1: yeah. Yeah. But again, like assuming that aren't, at that point in time, you are all in on Robert Williams. You're really banking on him because, I mean, Tucker, again, five points a game, four rebounds a game. He's not – I don't think he's – and I could be wrong, so please feel free to tell me. It doesn't feel like to me that he is a huge difference maker. I mean, you're going to trade 5.8 points
0: a game from Tice for 5.4 points a game for P.J. Tucker? Well, he's not well, he's not being utilized like that in Houston. They they have him at the five and he's not a five. That you remember how they made that trade last year where he got traded to Houston and they're they're playing like a historically small ball. And he's like yeah. he's only six he's only six foot seven, six foot eight, and he plays at the five for them. So he's just six so, five. Six five, right. Yeah. And he's playing the five. <laughs> So he's so underutilized in Houston. I I, I think he needs a chain of c- scenery, and I think coming here would be a big change for him. I, I like P.J. I think he'd be a good, a good guy to bring him here.
1: So your starting five would be Robert Williams, P.J. Tucker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with that for sure. I still uh- – I still like Tice. I mean, the, I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe this is just isn't it. Like maybe he's having like one of those uh, Walter McCarty years, right? But like I just, I love Tice this year. I just feel like it's something different. He's, and again, for the reasons that you notice Robert Williams on the court for defense, you notice him on. on you notice Daniel Tice on the court for offense
0: because he's always he's, there. He's always, always there.
1: Yeah. He's always Agreed. there. One last thing. So there was an interesting question that was posed on, on the old uh, Twitter machine recently. And I love this because it literally kind of validates the thing that I've been saying to you for the last year. So it said this, are we sure Tatum and Brown are not just a flashier, more fun version of Antoine and Paul Pierce good enough to contend, but never truly contenders. I'm not sure of that. I am not. I, I First of all, I'm not sure that they won't contend, but based on what I've seen so far, they're, they're, they're just, they are not contenders. You're right. So I, I guess that, that question, I'm not sure. I don't know. Jury's still out. But for me, this season is the season to either prove it or dispel it. If you do not break through that wall or do something, you know, if you if you do not go to that next level, you guys have said, like you and DK have said that Jason and Jalen are on this season, then yeah for me this is the 2002 Boston Celtics like love them love
0: the wiggle so many good memories how many trophies yeah no i couldn't even like so i scroll past that tweet and like you know me i i love Tatum i love Brown we we we've been talking about them for the last 45 minutes i got to have a basketball boner over here all right but like it made me raise my eyebrows because I scrolled past it and I was just like, like I, I I read it and I was like, huh, that's funny. And then like it made me sad instantly because I was like, are they though? Because this is pretty much the same age that those two were, right? They were both in their early 20s. They were both dynamic scorers, but they couldn't get over the hump. I don't think that they had the potential even close to the potential that these two have, Pierce, yes, Antoine. I think we thought he did early, right? It just, true. Turned out, it just turned out that he didn't, but he was
1: a really good role player, and he was the guy that Pierce needed there for a while, I think, to give him an edge because Antoine, he was a killer. When Pierce was missing free throws against Indiana in the playoffs, Antoine was the one that, that, drove, someone, that, that drove the
0: dagger through your heart. Yeah. With that bank three, he loved those bank threes, bro. So the thing with, I I think it's a very reasonable comparison. I, I saw some of the comments on it. People were going crazy on this dude. And I was like, dude, I don't think he's that far off. I think that we have way more potential. And I think that they will end up better than them. But like at this point in their careers, I think that the comparison is definitely out there to be made. The thing is though, Tatum and Jalen are both right now pretty much considered top 10 players in the NBA. You know what I mean? They're, they're at least at at worst top 15 players in the NBA. Both of them are on that list. When Antoine and Pierce were at this level, I don't know if they would have been considered that. I'm pretty sure all top 15 players were in the West, but I, I do think that the Comparisons there because they haven't gotten to that big game. When it comes down to that clutch moment, they have choked. And and I agree that if they don't show it this year, these comparisons are going to start more and more and more. And it does drive me crazy because, like, it's like, I don't know. Championships are hard to win, man. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, but I just want you to get there. Number one. Number two, the
1: talent that we know that Jalen and Jason have, knowing, again, knowing how talented they are. The fact that this question is asked and you need to pause doesn't it answer itself? It, it has to. And, and, and again, I think, I think the difference here is they're a lot younger. I'm mean, okay.
0: Well, I they're not really right. But Tino was the, the upside. It. The upside is is the big difference. It, they have so much more upside than those two ever did.
1: Yeah, I I, I also think that the team around them is better than what you saw from like the O2 or you know, like even the early two thousand Celtics with Antoine and Paul. I mean, you have Marcus, you have Kemba, you have Tice, Time Lord. Before that, you had Al Horford, you had Gordon Hayward. So like the pieces have been there to get you to that next level. Again, championships are, are hard to win. That's why only one team wins them every year. But just get there. Just get there. Because we you know one of the things that, uh, again, Hollywood, uh, Wale, Rayshawn Buchanan and I were talking about today, is he said that if this is Boston. We expect you to win. I don't think that's true for the Celtics. Honestly, if I offend any Celtics fan, I'm really sorry. But if you expect to win, like, it's really based on what? I mean, it's because of Larry Bird and because of Bill Russell. Because from 86 on it's just get there just give us a reason to believe that you can win and then build on that what we've been stuck at for so long aside from the the two years of doc you know you know 2008 and 2010 is we believe we have the pieces and then we get then we come up against a team that we know on paper we're better than and then we lose and it happens over and over again so i think we need we don't expect them to win a championship i don't i just expect them to get there
0: no, I, I'm i with you on that. I, I just, I, I don't, again, I said it last year. I don't think it's, I think if they show, I don't think they need to get to the NBA finals for this year to be consi- not be considered a disappointment. If they get to the Eastern Conference finals, and they if they play the Heat again and lose, huge disappointment. If they play the Nets, they play the Bucks, and they take that team to seven, and they show that they can legitimately hang with the superstars, of the league i will be a a 100 okay with that if it's something like the heat where it's a team that we're better than like you were saying on paper we are better we have leads the entire series and we blow it yeah i think then it's time to start raising some eyebrows but at the same time i still believe in these two not to go down a rabbit hole here but like let's say that, that they play the nets right
1: and they lose in six and they only score 100 points once
0: is that a failure? Cuz for me that's an abject failure. Yeah, it is. It, it 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 is, yeah. It's about if you only score 100 points once against the Nets, yeah, that's an abject failure. But if they
1: go 7 and they score 115 a game, they lose. Sure, I'm with you. Like perception is reality, man. Yeah, it always is. Like you just went up against three three men like, right. and, like uh, say what you want about Kyrie. Say what you I mean, I'd be, shocked, I'd be really surprised if Harden showed up in the playoffs. He, isn't, he just never has. But if he does, then all, all bets are off. And I think that that team can go
0: far. So the men thing. That, so that, that quote from Harden was to me the most, it's a great sign to me. It made me feel great about Tatum and Brown. And it made me very scared of Harden and Durant. So he was talking about when Harden and Durant were together in OKC. They're asking him about it. And he's like, listen, guys, we were kids then. We were kids when we were together in OKC. We're men now. And like, I completely understood, because like, if you think back to when we were 22 in college, bro, we were kids. We were absolute kids. Right now we're men. We're we're 33 years old. Like, it's a whole different mindset. So, I, I do think that once Tatum get to that, Tatum Brown gets to that 27, 28, 29 range, it's a whole different level that we're going to see from them. Because right now they're kids, they're not close to being men yet. I think this year could show, put a lot towards them becoming men. It, it doesn't ruin your perception of them if, if they
1: don't show up. That's what you just said. Not, not if they don't know it. No, I didn't say that. You said
0: after your whole little rant, you went, but I still believe in them. I do believe in them. I do. Because exactly like I just said, I still think they're kids, man. I do think they are really, really young. And I think when they get, like I said, they have so much maturing to do. That quote from Harden just made me so pumped about their future. And it made me scared about their next future. It was like a double whammy.
1: I know you had a lot of other stuff that, that, that you wrote down, but I think that I want to ask you a question that could bring us down a bit of a rabbit hole. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would be better suited to be coached by Doc Rivers or a veteran coach because of how young they are? Because, because what I'm thinking here is what I keep hearing from you, and I don't mean this in like a combative way at all, is they're so, is they're so young. So wouldn't, like, wouldn't they be better suited, or do you think they would be better suited if they had a coach like Phil Jackson, obviously the greatest of all time, but Popovich, Doc Rivers, even Spolstra, who's been through the ringer and has coached to a championship as opposed to learning on the fly with the guy who'd never coached in the NBA before his job with the Celtics? You're, you're going gonna... <sighs> to... I'm doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I love Brad Stevens. Me I too. I, I, he's a great coach. I agree, man. And, like, it's – you see it sometimes. Like, I, I don't ever want to shit talk Brad Stevens, but you, you see it when he lets Tatum and Brown do their thing, and, like, he's not – yeah, I, I think they would be better off, 100%. Spolstra – I think would be an awesome fit. I, I do think Rivers would be a great fit with Tatum and Brown. Man, I can't believe you just put that question out there. That's a great question, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just pops in into my head because I feel like the, the constant theme when talking about Tatum and Brown is how young they are. And mm-hmm. you want to surround them with veteran players too. Yeah, but wouldn't that, how much more helpful would it be to be having a play drawn up by a guy? Who has coached in an NBA finals, who has won an NBA finals, who has brought teams with LeBron, with KG, with Tim Duncan, if we're talking about Popovich, to the upper echelon and winning? Like, how. Th- Another question. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby, to do this to you. No, I love it. How stunted do you think those two growths are or is because Brad Stevens is their coach?
0: Man, what are you doing to me, man? <laughs> so. I, I, but like, listen, I don't want this to come across as like, no, no. no Love you. Love you. Blair Stevens mean it,
1: but comparatively speaking, do you think that their growth is stunted by the fact that he is their coach and not someone who has been there before?
0: I feel like I'm on the fucking hot seat right now. Yeah, no, I do. I do. And it's funny that you asked that actually, because I was thinking about it during the Warriors game and run up in that Lakers game is like, why isn't it ever a conversation? Like, listen, I love Brad. I do. But like, it's a conversation that no one ever even considers that it's his fault or like that, that it, he has some blame in it. And it's like, I just feel like you're right. I think two guys like Tatum and Brown, if we had someone, I don't know, like we said, a Phil Jackson, you know, the greatest of all time, a Popovich. Or even Steve Kerr, we, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I do. I think that it would bring him to a different level because I think Brad Stevens still has a lot of trying to prove himself too, is the thing. He's like, he's trying to make himself known. And he's trying to make himself one of the best coaches in the NBA. So I do think that having a Popovich, someone that is established, that knows they're the fucking guy. And when I tell you, Tatum, that this is what you're going to do, that's what you're going to fucking do. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean,
1: for what it's worth. I- wow, man. I, I really I, I love Brad Stevens. I think that he's I think he's a breath of fresh air, but I don't think it's his fault. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. If we can't if we're not gonna hold Tatum and Brown's lack of playoff wins uh, against them because of their age, we can't hold it against Brad. Spolstra did not become Spolstra because he was coaching Bam. He became Spolstra because he had Chris Bosch, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. He won championships with veterans, a young coach with veteran players, oh and Pat Riley. So I think, for me, like Doc Rivers had never been to the promised land either. You throw him KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, all of a sudden he's there. So I think that in the NBA, coaching matters, especially when there's such, it feels like a seesaw effect, right? Like when you have such a new coach and new players, it's hard to elevate yourself against a veteran coach with new players or uh, a new coach with veteran players, with all-stars. So I think it's it's worth noting that I fundamentally believe that Brad Stevens is the right guy for the Boston Celtics. I also fundamentally believe that he has stunted the growth of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and they would be far better. They would have progressed further being coached by a guy like Doc, like Popovich, like Steve Kerr, or like Spolstra.
0: What an alternate universe that is, huh? What an alternate if, if Doc stays, right? Doc stays through all that, and he stays through all the draft picks. He stays through everything. And all of a sudden, it's Doc coaching Tatum and Brown. Man, that's crazy. It's crazy. How got- long? So I have a question for you, actually. How long do you think it is? So if they lose this year. Lose what? If they lose in Eastern Conference Finals. They don't make it to the Finals right back in the same spot again. Yeah. Brad Stevens on the hot seat next year?
1: So I I think that this is the year that you need to either take the next step or come to the realization that you are what we've been saying that you are. You are, You are a team that is no longer young and up and coming. It's just you're mentally young. You cannot do the things that we need you to do in clutch time, and you keep blowing fourth-quarter leads. Like, Listen, if they lose the Eastern Conference Finals series again while leading every single game in the fourth quarter, I'd call for him to be fired because that's a fireable offense.
0: Yeah, if you think about it, basketball is the only sport where if that happens, most of the time it gets blamed on the players. If an NFL coach did what the Celtics did last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, he'd be on the hot seat, one hundred. Yeah, I
1: think. Well, I think you that's know. because in the NFL, like the coaches call every play, whereas in the NBA, they they call the first play and they scheme it. You rely on the players on the court to understand exactly what situation that they're in. So there's more onus on the players, which, which there should be. But like again, if you know that, let's say you're in game four, right? You're up in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden you're squandering a lead. That's coaching because now you've had time in between each of those games, and you've not made the right adjustments. So for me, yes, Bobby, I know that you wanted to ask me a tough question. If, if everything that happened last year happens again this year, Brad Stevens should be on the hot seat next year. If he does not get to the finals, he's out, in my opinion. He's out.
0: Yeah, I kind of – so I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, so like, what would that relate to, to see like a, great, a good coach like this win consistently and still lose their job? And the first thing that popped in my head is like, or is Mark Jackson, remember, in Golden State? Mark Jackson was bringing that team up and coming. Young Steph Curry, young Klay Thompson. They didn't think he could get him to that next level. Did they have great seasons? Yes. They got to the playoffs twice under Jackson, I think. um, Couldn't get to that next level. Steve Kerr comes in and brings him up. So, wow. I can't believe you did this to me. You put this in my head. But yeah, I don't disagree, man. I really don't. You asked you ask that question, the same thing with the Brown and Tatum tweet. It's at least eyebrow-raising, and I think that speaks a lot. We, we had so much
1: more to get to, but we'll, we're going to leave that for the next show. Bobby, do you have any final words you'd like to get across?
0: No, just that lesson, Celtics fans. So I have two things. So yes, I do. Celtics fans don't think that us going off this last half hour means that the season's over, this is a dumpster fire, or whatever. There's a lot of hope for this team. I do legitimately think that we do have a chance to possibly contend with the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they have a lot of things to improve on before we get to that level, but we're going to be okay. Don't worry. The other thing I want to touch on is just, I know we already talked about it, but the level of play that we're seeing from James Harden, I just want to throw out one more stat. Since I have a quoted here, the new James Harden, since joining the Nets, points a game, 7.7 rebounds, and almost 12 assists. He has three triple doubles in eight games and has a double-double in seven out of eight. That's levels of dominance that we only see from LeBron James. You know what I mean? That's the level of basketball that he's playing at right now. And like, I know that's a crazy thing to say because he's not on LeBron's level. No one ever will be. But, like, those are the numbers and impact he's having on games right now. And that's why, like, no matter when we talk about the Nets over and over again, they are going to be a tough team to beat. And if it's Nets, Lakers in the finals next year or this year, holy shit, that's going to be a fucking series. For me, just like you just said, Boston
1: fans that have been listening for the half hour, <clears throat> hope is not lost. I agree. But it's time to do something. This is the season where you can no longer say, well, listen, they're still young. Wait till next year. They get another year under them. No, this is it. We've now had this core together for long enough to understand exactly what they are. So either you get to the finals, you lose in seven to the Nets, or big changes happen next year. That's it. Like, love you mean it. No disrespect. but we've all seen this story before. We don't want to keep watching it. These two players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are too good to continue to be eliminated in the Eastern conference finals. So if that continues to happen and if their play is still excellent and next level, then it's coaching and we need to make a decision. So we'll see if that happens until then for the real BK, Bob Kelly, for Craig Delisano, the best producer, I am your host, Michael Mark Angel, saying, thank you so much. Uh, for listening to missing the point, and we'll talk to you next time.
2: Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, I got this
0: no, that's just my, dad.
2: my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels
0: again
2: on this show we come to humanize Athletes, entertainers, business executives We're going to see what makes them tick Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time On Spotify, Apple, Amazon And wherever you get your podcasts We'll see you there, peace and power Electric Hey there, I'm DC, I host The Rock Podcast Back to the Arena, The Interviews It's about a 30 minute podcast Where I talk one-on-one with a band Who has released new music You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interview. Electricast.